While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I will be here with you uh, Friday night. Sorry. Just turning the TV down. I was watching some sports center. So, um, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Momentarily, it will be joined by... Uh, former New Bedford mayor and national Democratic strategist Scott Lang. Uh, mayor Lang was recently tapped for Andrea Campbell's uh, attorney general-elect Andrea Campbell's transition team. So along with a couple other South Coast uh, notables, uh, former mayor Ed Lambert as well. And um, I think uh, Tony Sapienza from... Uh, uh, Joseph Abood. So um, he'll be joining us pretty soon, if not very soon. I don't know if that's him, but he'll be joining us soon. And we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. So, um, yeah, he's gotten tapped for Andrea Campbell's transition team. Of course, Andrea Campbell was the former Boston city councilor. Uh, she was the city council president. She ran for mayor uh, in 2021 uh did not uh finish in the, i think finish outside of the top two in the preliminary but ended up getting a statewide um ended up getting elected to a statewide position uh, a year later with strong support from uh governor-elect and current attorney outgoing attorney general Maura healy i've had andrea campbell on before uh, i've had andrea campbell on before and actually multiple times and i've spoken with her out uh you know in public she's visited the south coast quite a bit um and she's committed actually to uh she's committed actually to um uh strengthening the office of the ag's presence here in the south coast so tell you what what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick commercial break and then scott lang is going to be joining us uh so stay tuned Download the WB. We're here with former New Bedford mayor and uh, former Democratic political strategist Scott Lang. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good, Marcus. Nice to see you. Likewise. So, um, so, oh, that's the wrong mic. So, there we go. I'll figure it out one day. So, um, Scott, you were you were tapped for 
uh, Attorney General-elect Andrea Campbell's transition team. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Why were you tapped? What role are you going to play in her transition team? So I, I was, uh, this was not something that I don't think anyone goes out and seeks. I think if you're asked, you, you obviously serve, and it's an honor uh, to represent the area, and that, that's what I think I was asked uh, to do, represent uh, New Bedford, Southeastern Mass, regarding issues that would uh, come up during this transition period uh, as she goes from being a former city councilor now to, in Boston, yeah. to being the attorney general. So I, uh, I was asked, and I uh, certainly accepted, and I'm looking forward to uh, giving uh, any and all uh, advice and counsel that they are looking for regarding uh, how the attorney general's office can um, meld right. uh, into uh, government, meld into this area. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I know she has a very, very expansive view on how to uh, get involved in our region and how she can help uh, move issues along that are important to the people of this area you know there are an awful lot of issues that the attorney general yeah. focuses on that that affects everyone on a day-to-day -day basis and i i think attorney general uh, or attorney general elect campbell will do a, a very good job so you are i believe it's the government bureau team so uh like a broad overview do, do you know has that been defined yet do you know what type of role the government bureau team plays well i know i know what it has pl played uh uh, in the past and how it's been expanded over the last uh, couple of decades. But uh, that uh, focuses on intergovernment relations, different things that, that uh, you may find uh, uh, important if you're a select person or if you're a mayor sure. um, regarding legal issues that uh, pertain to the state and the feds. Uh, it is uh, uh, blighted properties, it's consumer protection. It's trying to get an attorney general's office. Right now we have a satellite office in New Bedford. We'd like to keep it. I know that it uh, involves uh, the inner workings of government, government corruption, um, which is something that the AG uh, certainly has purview over. And then uh, I think that the attorney general's office uh, has done, w when I was uh, uh, you know, mayor of the city, uh, a great deal of work with us on uh, crime, on yeah. street crime, and on making sure that we have uh, the resources needed and the, the correct charges if there's state, uh, if there's interest uh, from the standpoint of the state involving any kind of uh, specific uh, illegal activity. I always wanted to bring the AG in. I think the AG can bring an awful lot of resources. Uh, I think, though, that in general, uh, anything that you are an attorney, Marcus, you've, you've been involved in uh, uh, the, <clears throat> the court system. You've been yeah. involved in helping clients, sure. uh, not only in the court system, but also in problem solving. The AG's office on a larger scale, I think, can uh, help with that greatly. So we're speaking with former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. He was tapped uh, for uh, Attorney General-elect uh, Andrea Campbell's transition team and the... Um, in the uh, the government bureau of that transition team, so what? Um, I, I saw that you weren't the only South Coast uh, representative on that bureau. There's Tony Sapienza, uh, and you know, noted businessman and community activist, and there's also 
uh, Ed Lambert, the former mayor of Fall River. So what does that say to you that there's three members uh, of this region that sit on that specific uh, um, uh part of the transition team so i I think it's great i I know tony very well and he worked very closely with my administration continues to do so in the city and involved an awful lot of nonprofits. um he brings a perspective having been a ceo of a very large business joseph abood he also has been involved in the day-to-day community activities where he understands how the ag can help uh not only intergovernmental but anyone on the transition team i think has uh, carte blanche to help out in any other area that they think that, you know, they have some ideas and help. Of course. I think the attorney general elect has, has indicated that also soliciting from the public, any ideas. If you go on the website, the attorney general elect has asked people to please weigh in, give any ideas that they would want the transition team. Then I would think would focus on some of those ideas. And then she certainly, when she takes office, will continue that. Uh, Ed Lambert was mayor of Fall River when I was elected. Right. And he is uh, the dean or was the dean of mayors, not by not by uh, longevity necessarily, but he was a key gateway city leader. He had been in the legislature. He, he revived Fall River from the standpoint of both economic development and also from the standpoint of day-to-day type of quality of life when he was mayor. He served as mayor, I believe, uh, 13 years, approximately that yeah. long. And um, he has continued in government. He then went up and was with, with uh, Governor Patrick in DCR. Right. And then he was up at UMass Boston, and now he's with a nonprofit group that is involved in business and education. So I think he brings great, you know, great depth of knowledge. Uh, he'll be a terrific uh, uh, transition member, and he's also a resource. Uh, I've seen him uh, talking with and, and uh, uh, giving counsel to other mayors, to legislators, to the governor. I, I think Ed's very, very solid. Tony, as I said, is very involved in this region, and uh, I look forward to, you know, being involved with him as well. And what I bring, if anything, is uh, uh, a... If anything, you're so modest. If anything, right, (laughs) is a perspective, I think, on what it's like uh, in the private sector working with the AG's office. I constantly either have cases with the AG's office where they're on the other side or working with the AG's office on amicus or different briefs that we file. Uh, with the AG's office. So I'm looking forward to expanding my uh, conversations. I, I have given advice, and I'll just, I, I do want to just finish this thread, and then I, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, because I'd like to hear what you think the AG should be doing, and sure. I, I certainly will take that back. Uh, <laughs> but the interesting thing about this <laughs> is that I have given advice to every AG. This is the second transition team that I've served on in the AG's office, and I also served on a a gubernatorial transition team. So I've, I've had some experience in this and you, you know, you, you give advice, but it's up to the person. You're not the elected official. You're not the, the buck doesn't stop with me. It stops with the attorney general. So the advice I've given going back to Jim Shannon, who was the first AG that I actually was involved with in a, in a, uh, in a fairly comprehensive way was, uh, Jim, the, the state has agencies that basically are utilizing taxpayer money and they run afoul of the state constitution or the statutes or regs. And so in a sense, taxpayer money has contributed and paid for uh, this violation of whatever the policy would be that's been violated. Do not under any circumstances, please, 
use taxpayer money to try and justify the violation that the taxpayer money has already paid for. Right. Let's work out the problems and move forward. Let's, if, if someone made a mistake, let's undo it. Let's go to mediation. Let's bring the parties together, no matter what level it's at, whether it's, whether it's a uh, uh, lawsuit or whether it's simply discussing an ombudsman type of a role. But let's unsnarl these things before we compound the problem by spending taxpayer money to try and defend something that's not defendable, right? right. And that's the only advice I've ever given. And most AGs will immediately say, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. The proof always is in the pudding. And, that, and that's the key. The, the more we work towards uh, having a government that's efficient, responsive, and stays within the parameters of the law or the regulations, uh, the more we work on that and get that right, the better our democracy is. So I, I take that, you know, that uh, attitude towards this transition team, and I know she has the same feeling as well. So uh, we're speaking with former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. He's been tapped for Attorney General-elect Andrea Campbell's uh, transition team. Uh, we're taking your calls, if you want, at 508-996-0500. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. Actually, someone's uh, being very laudatory of you, uh, Mayor Lang, says, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the man speaking right now uh, which was when you were speaking, not me. Uh, the former mayor is simply the best representation of New Bedford in the last 100 years, without question. Uh, that was from Dan from New Bedford. I thought I always thought that Charles Ashley uh, was, you know, was the mayor that set New Bedford up in a way. I mean, you go back to to the founding of the city, but set New Bedford up in a way that um, led to the modern era and le led to us being extremely prosperous during the period of time that he. Uh, uh, although he went through the depression as well, but period of time that he was mayor, um, so I'd have to say that that a uh, hundred years is a long span. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I even even if one day I represented New Bedford well, I, I appreciate Dan's compliment <laughs> yeah. very much. So um, what uh, my 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 I have a few opinions on the role of the AG. I mean the the you know when they call it the people people's lawyer, uh, it sounds very trite, but. Uh, it's, I think, the most succinct description of the role because there's a lot in the way of consumer protection, which I think has been the primary role of the attorney general is consumer protection returning. Um, I mean, in a lot of cases, returning taxpayer money or returning money that has been uh, divested or trying to make people who were harmed uh, by either powerful corporations or the government itself, um, people who were harmed. Uh, trying to make them as whole as possible. You know, Maura Healy secured a, a major win for, for uh, Par Purdue Pharma, right? right? Making sure the Trump tax, the money saved from Eversource's Trump tax cuts were, um, were then applied to slow the raise of rates uh, for rate payers. So um, one of the things I'm interested in uh, in the post-Dobbs world is she's making a point of making, uh, I, I've seen on her website, she's discussed this, and I've I discussed this with her opponents and with her, but making pri uh, making uh, crisis, uh, cracking down on crisis pregnancy centers because 
um, in a in a post Dobbs world, uh, they can be in, emboldened into giving false information to uh, women in pregnancy to try to put them in a situation where they don't necessarily that they don't necessarily have to be in. So, I mean, there's many things that I think to look forward to with a uh, with with um, AG elect Campbell. That's one of them I think uh, that should be a focus. Uh, of hers, especially in a post-ops world. There's also the issues of housing. We're dealing with an incredible housing crisis and how can the AG perhaps make housing, um, you know, maybe take some uh, large corporate landlords to task, right? And try to work to ensure that, you know, there is fair and equal access to housing uh, at a time where the shelter system is overrun and rents are uh, raising at an untenable rate, uh, even here in New Bedford. So, I mean, it's a broad scope, but those are the sort of the general things that that just first come to mind when I think about what the attorney general um what the attorney general can and should do uh, in office. So, so, and and you know what, I, I took notes on all that, uh, Marcus. And I do want to say one thing: is uh, where, where's your sidekick? <laughs> Chris is uh, Chris is going to be back. I'm Chris's sidekick. Chris is going to be back um, next week. So the schedule, just for people who don't know. Uh, Monday, we're going to be off because the Patriots are playing, and we're the number one home for the Patriots in the South Coast. Uh, so you can listen to the Pats uh, play the play the Cardinals on Monday. Tuesday, I'll be in. Wednesday, Chris and I will be uh, in, and we're going to have a special in-studio guest, uh, WPRI's Ted Nisi. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'd be good. That, so yeah. Ted is the second guest, then, that's coming. Yeah, Ted is the second guest. Yes. Well, I, 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 I think that's appropriate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Ted's a big fan. We're a big fan of Ted. So we're really looking forward to that. So, um, so Scott, you know, you said that there's going to, even though you're on a specific uh, uh, subcommittee of the transition team, you can, uh, you know, you basically have uh, some free room to put in input where you think it is needed. Now, um, are there any New Bedford specific issues that come to mind when uh, that you're going to be thinking of and that you're going to be advocating for while you're on um, uh, AG Elect Campbell's transition team? So, New Bed- I mean, New Bedford has a plethora of, of issues that we want to address, with, with, whether it is a, a, the city council, a, uh, you know, the state legislature, uh, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the lieutenant governor. You, you want the AG elect to look at the city council? Person. Is that what you're saying? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm saying, though, that they, any elected official that you meet on the street, please, whoever, you know, whoever's listening, explain to them how they can uh, help New Bedford or what you have on your mind. I think that's that's very helpful to them. Of course. The AG, I think, is in a situation where, uh, it, first of all, it's, it's, as you said, the people's law firm. It's also, though, the city and town's basically law firm. Right. And, and it also is, as I was just saying, uh, the state agency's law firm in many cases, and specifically when there's a legal issue that needs to be resolved either by way of mediation or, or going to court. Yeah. So New Bedford, something that's extremely important in New Bedford every day is our fishing industry and the regulations that the federal government imposes on the fishing industry. Yes. I always had uh, support from the Attorney General uh, regarding making sure that the feds had a clear understanding of where we stood. Yeah. We are environmentalists. We stand, uh, we stand absolutely for sustainable fisheries, but we also want to make sure that we have a, uh, a regulations that comply with Magnuson-Stevens and specifically right. promote maximum yield. 
Maximum yield means fishing uh, to the maximum extent possible without harming the species. Uh, We have, we, meaning the city of New Bedford, has sued the federal government regarding fishing regs uh, for, uh, now since, since I was mayor anyway, three times. And what we try and do is uh, get some leeway. We get some flexibility, whatever it might be. I'd really like to see the AG's office uh, dedicate someone who understands the balance between the fishing industry, our local economy, and the rules and regulations that the federal government imposes on us. In addition, uh, it seems to me that there's going to be an awful lot of environmental issues regarding wind. And I want to make sure that we, do, that we don't compromise uh, and affect the fishing industry in a negative way. Right. I think, you know, I, the, the, uh, wind, um, I'm all for seeing exactly what wind can prove, but I am not willing to give wind a blank check. Yeah. To simply, when I say I, I, I apologize because who the hell am I? But what I'm saying is I don't believe as a community New Bedford should give wind a blank check. Okay. The number one industry... That's protected by, by uh, in, a, in essence, we abide by the law, we abide by the regs, but we're also protected by them from the fishing industry standpoint. The number one industry in our area that separates us from just about everywhere else in the United States is fishing. The fact that we're on the ocean, the fact that we are the number one port and, and always have been uh, yeah. defined by our port is something that can't yield to the next great thing. Right. And I think the AG can provide some of that balance. And I think there needs to be a balance and it needs to be in a hurry. Uh, Bohm has rode roughshod over every environmental reg and over Magnus and Stevens. Someone's got to begin to pull that in. You can be all for a green economy, all for fighting climate change or fighting global, global warming without being in a situation where you destroy the economy and destroy the environment. So we're speaking with uh, former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. He's on Andrea Campbell's uh, transition team. You can give us a call or shoot us an app chat message, 508-996-0500. So, Scott, um, are you making any... Well, I guess I'll ask this question. It's just uh, a New Year's resolution Just question. for fun. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, just for fun. Um, uh, you taking a position with the transition team, does this mean you uh, plan to be on uh, a member of the Attorney General's office uh, oh, no. in January? No, no, <laughs> thanks for asking that. No, no, thanks for asking. The, being on the transition team is an unofficial uh, committee designation of appointment, basically, by the AG, which, uh, I, and I'm honored to have been asked, yeah. but it's only from my point of view. Uh, I don't speak for the AG, yeah. and and also I want to say, and the AG doesn't speak for me. Okay? Of course, that, that's kind of <laughs> important to say. Right? Um, no, this is something that, as a, as a citizen, as a private citizen, if I can help in any way, I would I would like to do that. I've helped. I, I work with our elected officials uh, since I, you know, became an adult uh, in many different capacities, and this is one. And as I say, this this was something that was was not. This was a surprise. I was very happy to be asked because I admire her. I think she'll do a great job. Yeah, she's and great. I think I do have some experiences that I can relay uh, to the transition team, and the transition team can do with what they want with it. But I, but anything I say, I'm going to couch in terms of I, I think I'm on the transition team to represent uh, this region 
in this region's interest. I'm not on the tra- transition team uh, for any other purpose. So we're speaking with former New Bedford Mayor uh, Scott Lang. Um, so uh, shifting focus, um, I do want to actually talk about a um, national, uh, unless there's any other comment you want to add about being on the transition team, uh, I do want to focus, uh, I do want to shift the focus to kind of a national issue. Yeah, no, and, and also don't forget, I did my own transition team. I mean, it's basically, please, everybody get together, tell me what I should be thinking about and what I should do, and then let's go from there, you know? <laughs> right, that's that's true. I and mean, that, that's that, and that's the purpose of it. And then when it's done, when you take office, when you're sworn in, you'll still rely on people's advice and counsel. Of course. But there's no more attorney general-elect. There's no more mayor-elect. It's, you know, she's the attorney general, you're the mayor, you go from there. Well, so that's actually my next question. How often will you, because it's a quick turnaround, how often are you guys going to meet? I, I don't know. I'm I'm waiting to hear that, and I'm not sure if it's. I, I'm sure there'll be meetings, and I'm sure there'll be meetings within the subgroups. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have a sense of that process at this point. I imagine it's going to be, if it when it starts, fairly rigorous. If it's, I've been I, actually that that is something that I've been told. There, you know, it will involve time, and I'm happy to devote that time. So we're speaking with Scott Lang. Um, so. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that, and and as that tra- transition goes, I know there's probably some things that are left within the room, but we hope that we can get some updates on on uh, on Attorney General Campbell's transition where where appropriate. So, uh, Scott, I want to shift to a national party issue, if you don't mind. Sure. All right. So, you obviously worked on national campaigns. You worked in the U.S. Senate. Um, I do want to play a clip. I, I spoke with briefly with uh, our sen- one of our senators, Elizabeth Warren, uh, today on the uh, on the recent development this morning that Kristen Cinema, who is uh, who uh, was the Democratic senator from Arizona, is now the independent senator from Arizona. Kristen Cinema, throughout the first two years of Biden's team, has uh, sort of uh, I think her and Joe Manchin have have uh, effectively stonewalled a lot of key uh, legislative initiatives from the Biden uh, administration, but have also played ball where absolutely necessary. So I do want to play a clip of Elizabeth Warren's reaction to that. With independents before. Uh, Bernie Sanders registered as an independent. Uh, Angus Kane is registered as an independent. In fact, Angus was my partner in getting the 15% minimum corporate tax on these companies that make billions in profits and are paying nothing uh, before we got our tax through. So what I really think matters going forward is what we're going to focus on, and that is delivering for people across this country. That's what we learned uh, just a couple of weeks ago in this election, when Democrats fight for people, when they deliver for people. Democrats win. Will you do one last question? Will there still be 51 uh, senators in the Democratic caucus? Uh, As far as I know. Was the the Brittany Griner? So they just asked about Brittany Griner after that. But um, so so, you know, basically she's saying we've worked with independent senators before. She references Angus King and Bernie Sanders, who both caucus with the Democrats and how Democrats have uh, in the Senate, especially seen a lot of electoral success. And she says it's it's a testament to their legislative success under the Biden administration. Now, um, what's your thoughts? I mean, she has a pretty she shrugged it off. Obviously, she's not going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that, you know. Um, But what's your thoughts on uh, on on cinema's transition from dem to independent and is she going to be 
do you think she's going to be as amicable as an uh, um, Angus King or Bernie Sanders in the uh, in the Senate? So, so when when I worked in the Senate, I was a kid. You know, I mean, literally, I was the aide aide de camp for about six months for Senator uh, Hubert Humphrey. And the great thing about it was I had what are known as floor privileges. Just so people know, Hubert Humphrey was the vice president of the United States uh, and ran for president uh, against Nixon in 68. Uh, so just, just so people didn't know. Right. And and uh, and if anyone didn't know that, you've got to get your history <laughs> up to date in a hurry. Because that's why the country is having some of the problems we're having today, you know, right now. Because you've, you've got to get a perspective on history. And an awful lot of history repeats itself. Of course. Um, do I, do I, I know, I've never asked this before in my life, but do I have a crackling in my mic or am I all right? You're fine. It's, I think it's those headphones. The headphones, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to take them off for a minute. Sure. So um, here's what I wanted to say, though. That, uh, you know, the other day I was, and I don't want to go on a tangent, but I think you that, can. I, yeah, I have a right to, um, <laughs> at a certain age that I can go on a tangent, I think. Um, the other day I was talking to one of my kids and I was just going through, as you just said, that, you know, the, where we've been, just where we've been since I became aware of politics on a day-to-day basis as yeah. a young, young person. So, you know, explained, uh, JFK against Nixon and then, uh, the, you know, terrible, terrible assassination and then, uh, Johnson against Goldwater, and then uh, Humphrey, the vice president of Johnson, running against Nixon, a very close race. One half of the precincts in the country voted for Humphrey. Humphrey would have been president. Yeah. Uh, then Nixon beats uh, McGovern, and this is when I'm actually involved. Really beats him. Uh, well, beats him in every state except Massachusetts, yes. and and then the District of Columbia, but just yeah. swamps him. And two years later, Nixon is resigning because of all the illegal activity that the uh, Congress had the guts and the media had the guts to hold him accountable for. And so he went from uh, winning 49 states to a president who's waving goodbye, you know, with these double V, uh, very, very awkward wave on the, on the, uh, (laughs) you know, on the stairs of a helicopter. Sure. I was there. Now, when I say I was there, it sounds like Forrest Gump, but I was outside the White House at the, around, you know, the, the ellipse there as the helicopter took off. Wow. Uh, you know, many, many guys from the DNC, many men and women from the DNC went down there to, to see history. We didn't, we didn't see the inside speech. By the way, two of the best speeches I think I've ever heard from the standpoint of, of extemporaneous uh, speeches given in a moment of history was Nixon's uh, farewell speech the night before indicating that he was going to resign the next day. And then his speech in the White House uh, East Room to his staff, in which he said, my mother was a saint, okay? I think right. that everyone should watch that speech to see what it happens when you're at the highest level of, of trust and responsibility in, in, in any job, but in this case, the President of the United States, and what happens when you destroy yourself and what it looks like you know, right. to, to everybody in the country and the world. Um, but So this is a tangent, right? So I'm going yes. off on this tangent that also says that um, Gerald Ford... Nixon had a vice president. I was in law school at the time. Nixon had a pri- vice president, Agnew, who was, a, who was indicted, yes. cut a plea, and resigned. Yes. Now, now the uh, I think it was the 20, 26th Amendment. Someone ought to check me on that. Maybe the 25th. But 
The amendment, I think it's the 26th, the 26th amendment was used to appoint a vice president, who was Gerald Ford, who was the minority leader in the House. Right. Gerald Ford and Nixon were completely opposites. Yeah. I think they could barely stand each other. You know, when I, I was in Washington at the time, Nixon didn't have a heck of a lot of strong friends up on the Hill to begin with. Right. But when impeachment hit, Nixon had very, very few friends. He had a couple of real loyalists who made Nixonian-type speeches during the impeachment. But sure. by and large, everyone looked at this and said, we are on a slippery slope that we got to get out of in a hurry. I got involved in politics because of Nixon. Because in the 72 election, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to help uh, get a Democrat elected. And it turned out I picked Humphrey as <laughs> the guy I thought could beat Nixon. Yeah. Uh, when Humphrey didn't get the nomination, I went up to Maine and ran for uh, and worked for Bill Hathaway with Angus King, who was oh. who was the deputy campaign manager to beat Margaret Chase Smith, who had become like Sue, Susan Collins. Right. Okay. A very, very, a very, very strong-minded, someone that you admired, but all of a sudden was voting completely opposite of what you thought she would have, and that's what's yeah. happened to Collins, right? Of course. So. What I, what I am about to say, though, is that Gerald Ford was was uh, elected by, by uh, Congress, and he's the vice president. When Nixon resigns, Ford becomes president. Right. Now, Ford then needs a VP. He picks Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller is then elected. So for a period of time, and this, this is something that we all know, but a lot of kids don't know, we had a president and a vice president the that were elected. never elected, Right. right. Then Ford, who had very, very um, the best, the best possible uh, uh, entry, uh, introduction and entry into the White House that you could possibly have, <laughs> yeah. then blows the whole thing by pardoning Nixon. There were ten mm -hmm. ways to do this, but the way he did it, and I, I think it was sometime like early fall, maybe September, maybe the beginning of October, completely sets everything upside down. Now you realize that Ford can get beaten with the right Democrat. The right Democrat happened to be Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Carter, who then had one of the worst administrations that you could imagine. Right. One of the worst. Okay, I, I can tell you that. We could do we could do a show till tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, and I wouldn't even start talking about why Carter uh, failed as a president. Sure, it wasn't, I don't think, all his fault, too. I think he was a victim of circumstance, mm. right? The economic... The circumstance of having decided to run for president was the number one. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, a, a very nice guy... Who had you know? Yeah. Who had just some real quirks yeah. and and also some some bad luck. Most of it of his own making. And I was at, still at the DNC uh, working uh, as a, as a uh, uh, you know rules uh, advisor at the time. But having said all that, you asked me a specific question, right? Yeah. What's your thoughts on Cinema changing parties from Democrat to Independent, and do you think she's going to be like your friend Angus King or Bernie Sanders? So, by, by the way, anyone who just tuned in, the reason I went on that thread is because Marcus said, if anyone doesn't know who Hubert Humphrey is, right? Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever, anyone who doesn't know who Hubert Horatio Humphrey is, yeah. HHH, right, from Minnesota, <laughs> right. Here's, here's how it all came out. Humphrey made his claim to fame in 1948 at the 48 convention. He led a civil rights uh, plank that ended up having the uh, the Southern Democrats walk out, form the Dixiecrat Party, and had Strom Thurmond run for president in 48. On a, so, on a segregationist ticket. Or on something. a segregationist yeah. Yeah. ticket, right. And Humphrey was extremely, extremely well known within the liberal wing of the party, very, uh, very uh, interesting, uh, hard-driving, uh, personality like a whirling dervish he gave these unbelievable speeches go on youtube watch one of his speeches 
uh, to any to any group, but he was extremely powerful. He was a big. He came from the DFL, was the Democratic Labor Party up in Minnesota, yeah. and he was well known as a tremendous labor advocate. So, having said all that, <laughs> the time that I worked in the Senate was was for Humphrey, and when I was a kid, sure. But I got I got to really observe the Senate in a great way because I had floor privileges because I was his aide de camp, which right. is just a great thing. So. Cinema has has been something of a uh, enigma because she got elected in a very tough race uh, yeah, four years ago. Right, it's Martha McSally. Right, yeah. she won, and that was. And it that wasn't was, elected. It was appointed. No, it was appointed, yeah. and she was appointed because uh, McCain had passed away. Correct. That is <laughs> correct. And then when uh, the other guy, yeah, what's his name, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Flake. Flake, right. He, I think he retired. She was like appointed again, or no, she ran again against Mark Kelly and right, then lost right. again. So, so, Mc, so Cinema People don't beats, like Martha McSally. Right. <laughs> Cinema beats McSally. Yeah. Uh, it was very close. It was extremely close, mm -hmm. close just like any race in, in uh, Arizona is yeah. now. And what happened is she began, she came into uh, the Senate and in a very, very quick way when Biden was elected, she began uh, being a naysayer about certain policies that uh, were proposed. In, in all honesty, some of the things that she was not uh, enthusiastic about, I think that the central wing of the Democratic Party wasn't enthusiastic about. Sure. She had a different point of view than Manchin. She was very. She was lower key. She did not put herself in the middle of it in the beginning. Towards the end, Ma she Manchin did. seemed to like the attention. Manchin, Manchin liked the idea that he was going to be the guy who made the decision, right? Yeah. And he liked going toe to toe with Biden. Cinema was off to the side. The interesting thing is that she's voted, and I didn't realize this, but I, I saw today she's voted ninety three percent of the time with the president. Mm -hmm. The seven percent she hasn't voted with. Has has been something that has drawn people's uh, yes uh, you know attention, but uh, no senator should be voting a hundred percent with the president if they don't believe in it if it's not in their constituents' best interest. The other thing is we don't have an adhesion party, so it's not as if when you're elected you pledge to a Democratic Party plank. This is a representative democracy where you go, where you go you represent the people, but you make your own decision. So she's decided to become an independent. She now has made herself uh, more of a, 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 a central figure than Manchin at this moment. Sure. If she caucuses with the Democratic Party, Democratic Party will still have 51 votes because we count Sanders and, and we King. count King right now towards, towards the Democratic Party's uh, majority in the Senate. She also will maintain her committee assignments and or even get better committee assignments. Yeah. If she's all of a sudden said, I'll caucus with the Republicans... That's all well and good, but the problem with the Republican Start Party is one. They, they're a minority, yeah. right? Yeah. So she sticks. So she sticks with the Democratic Party. The same reason Manchin will never switch either. It's right, you, right. So here, here's the thing, though. Both of them are coming up to tough elections. 2024, yeah. And and Cinema, I think, was going to be primaried. In fact, tonight you would, if she hadn't switched, you would have said to me, "So, what Democratic Party senators do you think will be primaried within the Democratic Party?" And after a couple of minutes, we would have said, you know, cinema might in Arizona because she has ruffled a lot of feathers with the Democrats in Arizona. So she's as an independent now, she basically has secured her place on the ballot, not a win, but a, on, a, on the ballot in Arizona. I think she did this for self-preservation. I think she thought she was going to be primaried out. So now the question is going to be, Probably. can there be can a Democrat 
be nominated, Cinema be, be on the ballot, and a Republican, and have a Democrat or the in, Independent win, or is that? Do you remember flip? when? Uh, remember when? Um, what's his name in Connecticut uh, had a similar issue with Lieberman? Lieberman, yeah, yeah. Lieberman. Um, he had a similar issue. He 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 got primaried. And then he just ran it as independent, ended up splitting the vote and winning. Hey, I gotta take these. I gotta take this break. Uh, but we'll get to your calls when we get back at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. See you call on the line. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. Hi, this is Zach. WBSM isn't just a broadcast; it's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at wbsm.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're live. Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. I have a brief statement to oh, make, uh, and then I'd like to I'd like to get the mayor's take on it. And by the way, Mr. Lang, uh, I do remember Hubert Humphrey. So the um, caller said he remembered Hubert Humphrey. That's perfect. <laughs> the duck just dropped down. That's great. Uh, the statement I just wanted to make briefly, and Mr. Mayor, I'd like to hear your take on it, is... July 4th fireworks next year, I believe, are going to be six months early. They're going to be on January 4th, the day after the new Congress is sworn in. They're going to be handing out subpoenas like Halloween candy, and so much of it has to do with Twitter. But unfortunately, I need two dozen bloodhounds to find a story from corporate media, mainstream media, on this Twitter fiasco that's going on right now where elon musk is dumping stories left and right god yeah. bless elon musk i'm curious yeah. about yeah. how you feel the democrats were interfering in the election listen i'll take your call off here because we gotta hit, we gotta hit the uh we gotta hit this break after so here's my thing on the elon musk thing um even in the this data dump quote-unquote data dump that they're that they're uh that they're giving they both they, they even admit in this data dump that both the trump campaign and the biden campaign were using twitter were were in constant contact with twitter for purposes of content moderation to winnow out things that weren't true so I don't think that Elon Musk is really doing any doing anything relevatory. They said they shouldn't have suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. They said that over a year ago. I don't think anything. There's any new information here, um, and I see it as a I see it as um, a, you know a fairly like de minimis impact on any on, on this you know so so what I, elections if I, if any. So if if Twitter's really a town square, then you then you do need to have. Uh, free access to it. There's got to be some moderation. You know, you just can't throw anything up there. But the New York Post ran for uh, for six weeks headlines about Hunter Biden's laptop and media covered the New York Post indicating that they had uh, this story, an exclusive story regarding the laptop. Uh, I, if Hunter Biden broke the law, Hunter Biden's got to be uh, he's got to be punished. Right. And it, and if Joe Biden was involved in some in some way, then American people are going to know about it. All right, so we're going to take this break, Scott. I'm going to ask you to stay just at the beginning of the 8 o'clock hour because there's something I want to present to you. Is that okay? Uh, yes, and, and actually, as long as you let me go do an order, I'll stay until they say come pick up the order. Okay, sounds good. Uh, take your messages on the app chat as well. Hey, um, uh, former Mayor Lang is staying until his food order is ready. So um, uh, we'll, we'll be here in the 8 o'clock hour. So stay tuned.
I still got like a full minute. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, we don't have enough time. I, I want to give this call at the time. And if this caller holds or calls back in the 805 hour, we'll be able to, or uh, calls back at 805, I'll be able to give this caller the time that they deserve. Uh, I will say, not the other day in New Bedford was very laudatory early and now has gotten upset. And I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. It was, Sending me not nice messages. So, so tomorrow night they're going to light the Christmas tree downtown. It, it's been delayed for one week because okay. of the weather. That's an exciting thing. Bring your kids down there. It's great. It's a City Hall Plaza. And uh, get down there. I think the parade is around 430. It's going to get dark. Get dark a quarter after four right now. Sure. Be a great time. Shop downtown.